What is going on, people of the world? Hello and welcome to another episode of the International Podcast. This is your very organic host, Noah Williams, and I am super grateful, super thankful, and super happy to have you guys here with me again. Um, like I said in the last video, man, I really appreciate the support that I've been getting and all the shares and all the likes and all the positive feedback that I've been getting. So I really appreciate that, guys. Keep that coming. Keep that love going. And uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be more episodes for you guys to 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 take in. So with that being said, man, we right into it. It's episode 14, and I want to call this episode The New Brooklyn, because obviously it is a new time in Brooklyn, New York. If you have been living under a rock for the past several days, you probably wouldn't know this, but James Harden got traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets in a 14 blockbuster trade that involved many moving pieces, many moving players, many moving picks with many different organizations. But basically, the Nets gave up Karis LeVert, they gave up Jared Allen, and they gave up Torian Prince, along with some future draft picks to get James Harden. Now, when, when you look at this trade, you say, okay, Brooklyn got rid of their whole bench. They're going to have bench issues now. They're going to have defensive issues now. They're going to have rebounding issues now. They're going to have rim protection issues now. They're not going to have picks for the future. That's the bad side. The good side is you get a perennial MVP candidate. So you tell me which is more important. Now, I understand the game of basketball, and I understand the, there's 48 minutes that are played in a basketball game, right? So you need rebounding, you need defense, you need perimeter defense, um, and, and you need a bench presence, as well as having the security blanket of multiple picks in the future. Uh, and Brooklyn said, fuck that, we're gonna roll the dice with this. Because you don't win championships on draft picks, you don't win championships on necessarily bench depth. I know people, I know it helps, obviously, but um, we don't really see teams winning these days off their depth of their bench. We see teams winning off the depth of their superstars, i.e. the Golden State Saga, Cleveland Cavaliers championships, Miami Heat championships. All those teams had multiple stars, and you need that to win championship these days. So looking at it, looking at the trade, I do believe that Brooklyn got better. When you add a five-star player like a James Harden, a one once-in-a-generation type player like a James Harden, your team is going to get better. Now, another question that a lot of people had was, how will Kyrie mesh with KD and James Harden? Because, you know, we saw how J KD and, and Kyrie worked. It worked well. Um, these two dudes looked great together out on the court. And then Kyrie obviously took his leave of absence from the team. And James came. Now, we've had two games so far. They played Orlando one night. They played the Bucks the other night, right? In those two games, we have no reason to believe that this team won't make it to the NBA Finals, at least make it to the NBA Finals. The way that KD and James were playing off of each other, James was getting the team involved, swinging the ball, having the ball on an absolute string in those first two games, and they beat the perennial two-time All-Star, I mean two-time MVP, Giannis and the Bucks, who are supposed to be favored to win the East. I think that's a whole bunch of bullshit. I, there's no way that you could pick Boston. There's no way you could pick Philly. There's no way you could pick um, Toronto, Milwaukee, none of these teams over Brooklyn right now with the move that they made. Let's look at those first two games, right? KD and James are both averaging over north of 30 points a game in those two games. North of 20 combined assists, damn near, in those two games. Like, those two guys are going absolutely crazy, and people are saying, yeah, Kyrie's going to mess up the chemistry, this, that, and the third. I think that Kyrie is going to add a dynamic to this team that we have never seen before ever in the history of the NBA. We have never seen three one-on-one -on -one players quite like these three guys here. 
We all know Kyrie is an unstoppable one-on-one ball player. We all know that James Harden is an unstoppable one-on-one ball player. And we all know that KD is an unstoppable ball player, period. So people are having problems with, oh, the ball is going to stick. You can only have one ball. They're not going to get their touches, this, that, and the third. But I feel like you kind of have to understand the structure of this team and why this will work. Well, they bring in Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni and these guys to run a more up-pace, fast-tempo style of offense. They call it the seven-second offense, right? So you're literally looking for a shot within the first seven seconds of the shot clock. Now, what this is doing is getting you more possessions by the end of the game. So one team might get, I really don't know how many possessions you're getting per game, but let's say one team gets 75 possessions per game. If you're running a a seven-second offense, you're probably going to get more like 95 possessions per game. So when people say, oh, the ball is going to stick with Kyrie or the ball is going to stick with James Harden, it might here and there. But when you run a seven-second offense, it's creating more opportunities for everybody to get their touches, everybody to get their passes, everybody to get their shots up because there's more of them. And you get a great offensive rebounder like DeAndre Jordan, that's only going to create more opportunities and more offensive opportunities for these guys to get the ball and for these guys to score. And it's just one is going to benefit off of the other. One's in foul trouble. The other two are going to score. Two are tired. The other one's going to stay out there and score. And I think that is something that you can't you can't match that with any other with any other franchise in the NBA. There's no team that has three players that could just go and get a bucket any single time that they want throughout the entire course of the game. That is so valuable. Like people are really not looking at how valuable that is because we've never seen it before. The closest thing that I think we've seen three guys that could just go get a bucket on their own. Well, we did see it in Golden State obviously with Clay, Steph, and Katie, and look how that worked. Three trips to the NBA Finals, two NBA Championships. Would have had three NBA Championships had KD not gotten hurt and Clay. Look at this Miami Heat team. Three stars that were able to get their own shot. Dwayne Wade was able to create his own shot. LeBron James obviously was able to create his own shot. Same with Chris Bosh. They won two championships. They went to four. Need I go on? There's so many instances in NBA history where you have three stars, you need almost need three, unless you have a dynamic duo as dominant and great as a Shaq and Kobe, or a Mike and Scotty, or even a LeBron and AD, those teams that have won championships built on two stars, but even look at the 2009 um, Boston Celtics team, or 2008 Boston Celtics team, they had a great young point guard in a Rondo, but they had three guys who could go and get their own buckets. You absolutely, absolutely, absolutely need that in this NBA, in any any era. I mean, you could keep going back and further and further in eras to the Lakers dynasties of the 80s. They always had three guys who can go and score the ball on their own, create their own offense. And that was James Worthy, Magic Johnson, and, and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, three guys that can go and create their own shot and own opportunities. So when people say that this Brooklyn team isn't going to work, I just really, really question these people's basketball IQ. And I really question if they're just going along with what, you know, the next guy kind of says, because when you look at today's structure of the NBA, how fast paced it is, and it's almost as if it's like a pickup kind of format. And in pickup, we all know everybody's going to get their shot. So I don't think this is going to be some toxic, drama-filled, egotistical experiment that Brooklyn is trying out. I think they put their eggs in this superstar basket, and I think it's going to pay off for them. Why? Because you have one perennial MVP candidate in James Harden. You have probably 
arguably, in my opinion, the greatest scorer, best scorer, most talented scorer in the history of the NBA in Kevin Durant. And then, in my opinion, you also have the most skilled finisher at the point guard position ever in Kyrie Irving. So you have those three guys. Look, you roll the ball out to them, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, Omari, all you guys, and you just got to tell them to figure it out. They've just got to figure it out. Looking forward for the rest of this season, hopefully if Kyrie can stay into the lineup, if he could stay connected with these guys, I think that's going to be the biggest obstacle for them. The only thing that I would look at from a general managing standpoint, if I were um, over in Brooklyn, is, okay, how much can we trust Kyrie Irving? Because we know James is going to be there. We know KD is going to be there, as long as they stay healthy. But not only does Kyrie have an issue with injury, but he also has an issue with just staying on the court. You know, we, we all need personal time and we're all human and we all need time to heal and do these things. But Kyrie now has a history of taking these leaves of absence, choosing to do other things over playing basketball. And he's a grown man, so I have nothing but respect for him to do the things that he wants to do. But me as a general manager or an, uh, an owner or president of basketball operations, I have to make a decision that's going to be best for my team. Now, Kyrie, I want what's best for you. I want you to figure out those things mentally. I want you to heal. I want you to advance yourself mentally and emotionally, all those things. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful that you understand the value of your own personal health, that you can take a break from the game. But I can't have you on my team anymore. You're supposed to be one of our stars. You're supposed to be our point guard. You're supposed to be our leader in the locker room, on the court, our play caller, all of that. You're the point guard. You're the quarterback of this team. And we can't have you in and out the lineup. I can't trust that you're going to be here when I really need you on a game seven on the road in L.A. We we need you for situations like that. And due to your persona now and your history, we can't trust you. So I have to make this trade. I know what James is giving me. I know what Kevin is giving me. So really, Kyrie, you're expendable at this point. We can win the, We can win the NBA championship with these two guys. So you're expendable. I can get more reliable pieces or maybe build my, you know, perimeter defense back up or get the depth of my bench better with you as an asset, Kyrie. I feel like Kyrie has to understand that part, that he he is tradable, he is human, and they could do as they please with him because as we've seen in this business that they call the NBA, it is very cutthroat, very ruthless, and owners will do whatever it takes to make their team better, whether that's the right or wrong thing, that's a quote-unquote right or wrong thing to do morally. Um, they put the success of the team and the monetary value of the team over that, you know, what's good for the guy or the, the individual. Um, and I think Kyrie, he's kind of got to understand that part too because, okay, let's look at Kyrie Irving. He hit the biggest shot in the history of the NBA Finals. He hit the biggest shot in the history of the NBA, in my opinion. That was the biggest, single biggest shot in the history of the NBA. So. You could do damn near what the fuck you want. Kyrie goes out there, averages 25 a game, you know, does electrifying thing, puts people in the seats, sells out his jerseys. So you understand the value. He understood his value. So that's how he was able to force his way out of Cleveland so easily. Look, I want to trade. I don't want to play here anymore. Okay, boom. Cool. They sent him to Boston. He didn't like a situation in Boston. So he's like, you know what? Nah, I choose. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to Brooklyn instead. So when you're that great and you can do the things that Kyrie can, yeah, you're going to have a little bit more freedom, a little bit more wiggle room with the GMs and the owners and the coaches to do what you want to do and make the moves that you want to make. But 
now what Kyrie has done is he's given them a reason to make a move. He's given them a, a stance or a new opinion on him, you know, that they might not have had when he first came there to Brooklyn. So I think this is going to be super exciting to see how this the rest of the season is going to shake out for Brooklyn. I think they're going to go through a lot of growing pains. There's going to be nights where they don't know who if it's going to be KD or James or Kyrie who's going to get that last shot, or there might be egos colliding. But I think those things, the earlier that they can get those out of the way, the more that this team is going to improve come playoff time. Because I think this is something that went wrong with the Clippers last year. They had so much talent, but they never really knew who their go-to guy was. They never knew who their 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 real like you know their their speak up kind of guy was. They never they never knew their roles in a sense because they didn't go through those battle scars and they didn't get those wounds in the regular season because they weren't really playing together. Now this same thing could happen in Brooklyn if Kyrie doesn't take this seriously and join the team for the rest of the season. If he's back in and out of this lineup, this team will not get the rapport that they need. They won't get the chemistry, and they won't go through those bumps and bruises like they need to in order to succeed in the playoffs. Because the playoffs, the thing that I've noticed um, ever since probably like 2014 or 2013, the NBA playoffs is very much mental. Teams know exactly what plays you're going to run. They know your mannerisms. They know the calls. Um, They basically know everything that's going on with the team. So you kind of got to be a little bit more mentally locked in in the playoffs, especially down the stretch of a long series. Now, if on a game three, James doesn't get his way or Kyrie doesn't get his way or KD doesn't get his way. And the team loses, for instance, right? That could be the downfall of the rest of the team of the rest of the team for the rest of the series and could lead to their eventual elimination if they haven't worked out these problems in the regular season. And that is exactly what happened to the Clippers. When things started to get hard, they started they lost the game to Denver in, in that when they were up three one. Um, so they lost. What was that game five? Yeah, that would have been game five. And from there, we just seen the morale of this team just absolutely disintegrate the confidence of this team just dropped and there was nobody really there to put them back over that edge. Now, mind you, I don't think Kawhi and Paul George are on the level of a KD and a James Harden, but still I think that ego mental game is going to be their biggest challenge. It's not going to be talent. It's it's not going to be, is there enough, you know, possessions or are they getting enough touches each? It's going to be that mental thing, that ego thing. Um, because we all know KD is the best player on the team, but I think sometimes there's going to be nights where, KD, you're not going to get the most shots. Okay? Kyrie, there's going to be nights where you're only going to get 14 shots, 12 shots. And you have to be okay with that because it's going to be for the benefit of the team. If those three dudes right there could just buy in and be a little, take a little step back and buy in, and I know Kyrie, and I know KD will do it. I know KD will do it. There's no question in my mind that KD will do it. And I, I have a feeling James is all about it, hearing what he said in these few post-game interviews. But it's just, you know, the question mark, it really is Kyrie. So, um, fortunately, there's still time before the trade deadline. They can see how all this plays out. If they want to make a move, if they want to sit. Either way about it, this Brooklyn team has the talent to win a championship. No, There's no way you could possibly debate that. I think that this is the most talented team in the NBA now. And I'm really looking forward to Kyrie's debut tonight with these two boys or with these two men, rather. They're older than me um, with these two guys. So I think this is going to be a really, really exciting game tonight. Um, They play Cleveland, actually, which is going to be even more exciting to see 
Kyrie play against his former team with these new guys, um, see their dynamic. I want to see their mannerisms, see how they look at each other on the court. I want to see those things. I think those are really the most interesting things about the game of basketball, minus the, you know, classic like, oh, and one or dunking on somebody. I think those small mental things or small, you know, bumps in the road is what really makes it interesting and uh, seeing who can rise up above that and who won't rise up above that and who will fall to the pressure um, that is placed on them. So, yeah, I think that this Brooklyn team is going to be very, very interesting to follow for the rest of the year. I'm going to give many more updates on this team because I think this team is just so intriguing, so compelling. So, and I can't, I can't get enough of the, of this team, honestly, I think it's great. And I'm um, just looking forward to the rest of the season. So um, with that being said, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to wrap it up for episode 14. I'll catch you guys back before the end of the week, though, with episode 15. Um, I'll give a small recap on this game that I'm talking about tonight between Brooklyn and Cleveland. And I'll also give a small preview on the AFC and NFC championship games coming up this weekend as well. So uh, with that being said, guys, thanks again. Take care.